ESPN Sports Radio 1392.5. Now for something completely different. We're going to bring, bring, bring it all together. Because this is the bottom line. Bottom line. Bottom line. ESPN Radio 1392.5. Live from beautiful downtown Lexington. It's the bottom line with Brad Taylor. Presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Good morning. Thank you for joining us on this beautiful Sunday. Thank you so much. We always appreciate your listenership. 859-381-1313 if you'd like to call and join in on the conversation. You can email the show anytime. Bottomlinelex at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at BottomlineLex. On today's show, at about 9.30 or so, in case you haven't looked at the calendar, It's time for fantasy football, and Farrell Elliott of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championships will join us to begin to help you begin the process of potentially becoming the state championship, the state champion of fantasy football for big money this fall. The NBA playoffs continue. Another favorite cashes a ticket last night. And of course, our Mac Daddy Stogies, the most profitable segment in Lexington Radio, Presented by Jake Cigar Bar. All this and much, much more coming up on this week's Sunday edition of The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor. Again, thank you so much for joining us, as always. But first, the joy of failure. I'm not calling the Reds failures in 2021. Heck, they won yesterday. How could I do that? But I'm not calling them failures, at least not yet, anyway. But the biggest winners in life aren't the ones who sit around, wait, and hope. The biggest winners are the ones who take the biggest risks, and oftentimes after countless failures. You ever watch reality TV? Don't lie, you do. I'm not talking about the Kardashians or Real Housewives. I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about the game shows with the prizes at the end. Survivor. Big Brother. Shows like that. But don't lie to yourself. You've watched these reality shows. Love and hip-hop, Vanderpump Rules. They're everywhere. Heck, I remember back in 1992 when MTV started The Real World. The first reality show of its kind. I admitted it. I watched it. I watched the early seasons of The Real World on MTV because it was my age group. And I had no life. But it was a big deal 30 years ago. It's still a big deal now. But a lot of these reality game shows involve voting out or getting rid of competitors to advance yourself. The tribe has spoken. You are the weakest link. All these lame catchphrases based off getting voted off these shows and eliminated from the big money prize at the end. But one thing I've noticed in these reality game shows where teams, where players are voted out and contestants go home for reasons they don't really know is how we reward mediocrity. Big Brother is a show that I hate to admit I've watched every summer from the first day it was on over 20 years now. I admit it. I watch Big Brother every summer. I even joke with people, hey, Don't bother me on such and such date. It's the premiere night of Big Brother. 
Some of us have things we're embarrassed to admit. That's one of mine. There's nothing else on in the summer. Don't cast stones at me. There's nothing. What else am I going to watch on TV? How else am I going to occupy my time? But there's a term on Big Brother called a floater. A floater is a contestant on that show that just stays under the radar. Doesn't cause any drama or put up much of a fight in these competitions. And most of the people think, oh, I can just dominate this person anytime. So this person kind of floats to the end of the show while all the bombastic and gregarious personalities fight each other and eliminate each other for months while these floaters just sit there and just watch the calendar tick over, watch the drama, and see their chances at winning increase by the day by doing nothing. Why is that? Because we often reward mediocrity because it's comforting. If they can do it, anyone can do it. But that's wrong. In the real world, the risk takers are the players. I've tried and failed a lot of things in life. There's something called the joy of failure. And the concept is, it's okay to take chances in life. And it's okay to fail. Why? Every failure means you're closer to that risk that puts you over the top. Would you rather go 0 for 4 in a baseball game with four strikeouts? Or would you rather sit on the end of the bench the whole game and not play? It's that kind of mentality. And there's plenty of examples in real life over the years on huge stages that back that up. Abraham Lincoln lost several elections and faced all kinds of setbacks before becoming as historic of a president as this country has ever had. Lincoln even lost an election for senator two years before he became president. Winston Churchill lost so many elections, faced so many huge obstacles before becoming the most celebrated British prime minister in history. And even Oprah Winfrey had four failed talk shows that were canceled before she finally hit it big to the point where we don't even have to say her last name to know who we are referring to. Oprah. Everybody knows who that is. You know exactly who I'm talking about. All these people took major risks, lost many times, took humiliating losses, and kept hustling until they made it. The joy of failure. Equate that to this year's version of the Cincinnati Reds. Now sitting at 38 and 37 on the season as we reach almost next week we will the mid-season point. Can you believe that we've been through three months of Reds baseball already this season? Time is flying, even in this post-COVID era. But this Reds team is as mediocre as you could get. And unlike the real world, sports does not reward mediocrity very much at all. Of all the sports, Major League Baseball, the ultimate sport of eventually, over time, Proving who you really are. You ever see that 300 hitter who hits 300 every season and then he starts the season the first two months? He's hitting 220. Uh huh. You can bank on the next four months, he's going to probably hit about 330 and get right back up to that 300 level he's used to hitting. Basically, you are, as Bill Parcell said, you are what your record says you are. Nothing says it more than in Major League Baseball. But the Reds right now, one game. Over 500. Before the season, our friends in the desert had the Reds' win total 
at 81 and a half. That means the desert also thought that they'd lose 80 and a half. Basically 50%. Mediocre. After three months, how many games does the desert think they'll win now? 82. Funny how that happens, huh? (laughs) The desert right there on the win total for an entire season. Three months into the season, and we basically got the same number up out there. Amazing. More mediocre numbers. The Reds have scored 372 runs on the season. They've allowed 378. A difference of six. The Reds are 18 and 17 at home after yesterday's win. 20 and 20 on the road. And it's not just in the real world where the Reds are mediocre. They're average out in the desert, too. That's what we care about on this show. Can you cash tickets? Can you make us some money? On the season, if you'd put $1 on every Reds game every night. Just $1 every night. You'd be up 64 cents right now. In other words, you would have walked into the casino with $75 because they played 75 games and walked out after those 75 games with $75.64. Hey, at least you're not losing, right? But 64 cents is 64 cents, right? Kind of, I guess. I always say, anytime you walk out of the casino with $1 more than you walked in with, that's a win. But $0.64? Eh, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Was it worth your time? Oh, well. But if you're the Reds, what are you going to do? What are you going to do if all things continue like they are right now? Are you just going to sit around and hope and wait on something big to happen? Or are you actually going to make some moves? Be a player. Tell the rest of the baseball world, hey, we want to win. We want to win this year. If the Reds want to win, why not try to win this year? Who are the dominant teams in the National League? Well, everybody's pointing to the Dodgers. They're not doing a whole lot right now. Everybody's pointing to the Padres. They're not doing a whole lot right now. Your division leaders are teams like the Brewers. The Mets, the Giants, all teams before the season that you thought, eh, they're okay, I guess. Except we were on the Brewers. That's neither here nor there. But the Mets and the Giants, eh, really? You can't beat them in a playoff series? And there's something about this Reds team that isn't brought up in the media very much, mainly out of fear that it actually will happen. Nick Castellanos having a great season. Normal season. Up there with the MVP favorites. He can opt out of his contract after any season he wants. He signed a four-year contract before last season, the COVID season. After any year he wants, he can opt out of his contract. He still has two years left, getting $16 million per year. But after the kind of year he's having now, one of the best hitters in the National League this season, he can opt out this winter and make more money elsewhere. So don't get too attached to Nick Castellanos, Reds Nation. He might be gone before you realize it. You never hear the media talk about it. It's kind of something, the elephant in the room, that nobody wants to talk about, nobody wants to address. But Nick Castellanos may be in his walk season. He may be gone from this team next year. He might be gone before you realize it. So the future is now if you're the Reds. We aren't guaranteed tomorrow. If the COVID didn't teach us that, nothing will. 
But with no truly dominant team in the National League Central this season, the Reds are just like a Big Brother contestant, trying to float to the end and hope things miraculously fall their way at the end to win the big money. Well, that might work on reality television like Big Brother, but that doesn't work in the real world. We need to stop rewarding mediocrity. So as we approach the mid-season mark this coming week, what's stopping the Reds from trying to make a move and become players in 2021? Risk-takers often take losses, but they're often rewarded big time too. But even if they aren't rewarded this year, making some moves, especially in that bullpen, which needs a lot of help, and we'll get to that in a minute, that would get this team closer to the top just based solely on the joy of failure concept that each risk that you lose gets you closer to a risk that makes it big. So memo to the Reds. Beware of the lollipop of mediocrity. Lick it once, and you'll suck forever. And that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1300 and 92.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Presented by Stable Duel. 859-381-1313 if you'd like to call. Yesterday afternoon at Great America Ballpark, Reds 4, Braves 1. Unbelievable. The Reds closed as a minus 112 favorite in this one. They were a very small favorite, but they had uh, the most uh, on their side yesterday. We thought the Braves had value yesterday, mainly because of the starting pitching. But hey, look at this. Luis Castillo is dealing now. Whatever he was doing early in the season... I think he fixed it because on May 13th, Castillo had an ERA of 7.71, the worst of any starter in Major League Baseball. Today, his ERA is 5.14. That's over two and a half runs of improvement. Good news is, that's great. Bad news is, that's easy to come down to five and to an ERA of five when your ERA, ERA is 7.71 to begin with. But more bad news the Reds are still only 4-12 and in Castillo's 16 starts this season. That means he's burned a lot of tickets out in the desert. But he's pitching well now, and I guess that what's, that's what matters most, suppose. Still on those ramen noodles for those Castillo investors in the meantime until he breaks even. Might take a while, especially with how many games he lost early. But hey, look at this. Amir Garrett got a save yesterday. Don't look now. But Amir Garrett, the guy we have killed on this show all season long, and rightly so if you look at his numbers, Garrett has not given up a run in nine of his last ten appearances. Now granted, some of those were one-out or two-out appearances, but still, his ERA has gone from 9.56, ouch, to its current 7.71. Hey, improvement. By the way, this run started right after that little dust-up with the Cubs in late May when the Cubs' Javier Baez was taunting him from their dugout. And that's when Amir Garrett uh, deleted his social media, and you haven't heard from him since. Coincidence? Maybe all of us should delete our social media to perform better at our jobs. Yeah, right. That train left the station a long time ago. Where else can we take fake pictures to try to prove to our friends that we have perfect lives that are better than yours? Yeah, exactly. But Amir Garrett, is he finally becoming the closer that he told everyone he was back in spring training? 
Eh, let's not get carried away just yet. A lot of these situations where he's been doing well weren't exactly pressure situations, but yesterday was. It was a save. He got it. But with the current status of the Reds' bullpen, Garrett has to at least approach the expectations he had coming into the season when he declared himself the closer. Of course, we know how that movie ended. More news from this stank Reds' bullpen. T.J. Antone headed back to the injured list with the dreaded right forearm strain. Huh, came back too early. I wonder why. Oh, yeah, the rest of the bullpen is terrible, and they need him. That's why. So by process of elimination, Amir Garrett closed yesterday. Brad Brock has worked his way to the top of the Reds' committee somehow, some way. Those are your save candidates. Guys like Heath Hembry, Art Warren, and Sean Doolittle. There's a name from the past. They might get saves going forward, too. But do you trust anyone in this bullpen going forward? Uh-huh. I don't either. Don't forget, despite yesterday's nice performance, this bullpen still has the worst ERA as a collection in all of Major League Baseball. And they're two best, using the term best very loosely, their two best relief pitchers are now on the injured list. T.J. Antone, Lucas Sims. But today on ESPN Radio, 1,392.5 at 12.40, it's the fourth and final game of this series between the Braves and Reds. Kyle Muller for the Braves, 0-1, 5.40 ERA. Tyler Malley for the Reds, 7-2, 3.56 ERA. Not much we have on the Braves' Muller. This is his second career start. His last start was six days ago against... Uh, Jacob DeGrom, yeah, not exactly a good way to go out. Four innings, one earned run, and a loss to the Mets. But this isn't a good spot for the Braves as a team this year. When Atlanta is a road underdog, they're 16-20, and 20, including 1-2 and two this weekend. They've been an underdog in all three of these games. They'll be an underdog today, too. It's rare when you see a team like the Braves, an underdog, four games in a row to one team like the Reds. But as a road dog this year, the Braves... A negative 10.5% return on investment out in the desert, and that's not good. Tyler Malley has cashed a lot of tickets this season. In his 15 starts, the Reds are 11-4. And And if you've been on that out in the desert, you have a return on investment of 43.7%. That's great. Blindly putting $1 on the Reds every Malley start would have netted you a profit of $6.55 this year. Very, very good. But although the Reds have won two of his last three starts, Malley has not been sharp lately. In his last three starts, Malley's ERA, 4.50. And how about this for a home and road split? On the road this season, Tyler Malley, Cy Young potential. 5-1, 2.01 ERA. Great. But here's the rub. At home this season, Tyler Malley, 2-1 record, okay. ERA, 6.93. Yikes. Great America Ballpark is a hitter's park, but that home road split is outrageous, to say the least. Oh, that's just a small sample size for this year only. He's done better in the past, right? Wrong. Career 76 starts. Road ERA 3.96. Home ERA 5.11. Huh. Do a little research on these things. You find stuff like this. The Reds. A minus-155 favorite in this one today, and rightly so. They have the more proven starting pitcher, the home field, and, well, that's about it. I'm not going to say anything about the bullpen. But Malley does need to go very far in this game, as far as he can in this one, 
as the depleted back end of the Reds' stinky bullpen was used yesterday, Brock and Garrett. And while the Braves back in, Will Smith and A.J. Minner, they were rested yesterday. The Reds are in the better spot here, but I'm sorry. Laying 155 in this team and this bullpen, even though they are at home, that's that's too much for my blood. Minus 120, okay, I'll do it. Minus 155, no chance. Because remember, we go with numbers and prices, not teams and people. The value's on the Braves today, but we'll pass on this one. Because as Lem Banker said, they play the national anthem every day. And that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1392.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Presented by Stable Duel. Coming up after the break. No more stalling. It's time for the best, most profitable segment in Lexington Radio. Our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks. Presented by Jake Cigar Bar. That's next right here on ESPN Radio 1300 and 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor, sports talk from a handicapping perspective, presented by Stable Duel. And enough chit-chat, enough silliness. It's time for the most profitable segment in Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, presented by Jake's Cigar Bar. How do you celebrate cashing tickets out in the desert? Well, do what we do. Celebrate with a Mac Daddy Stogie from Jake's Cigar Bar at Brandon Crossing. And as they say at Jake's, smoke local, drink local, and cross the line with us. Check them out online, jakescigarbar.com. So go free, see our friends uh, Jake and Autumn. Let them know. They'll give you the bottom line uh, VIP treatment if they t- if you tell them that we sent you. jakescigarbar.com. Last night in the NBA, the Suns beat the Clippers uh, by four. Now they're up 3-1 in the Western Conference Finals. This game closed as a pick If you can believe that, there was no favorite in this game last night. If you want to get technical about it, so yeah, it's tough when you. It's a pick. Who do you take when you're the, playing these favorites in the NBA? Eh, okay, game stayed way under. Uh, it was a two seventeen and a half. The zigzag theory, something that's a little antiquated if you ask us, but hey, it's four zero in this series so far. But uh, yeah, for the season, it's hitting forty four percent. So old school investors out there who still play the zigzag theory, taking it on the chin. But the Suns now one game away from the NBA Finals uh, for the first time since Charles Barkley. Conned the NBA into giving him the MVP over Michael Jordan in 1993. I remember it well. Suns up 3-1 now. Game 5 headed back to Arizona. We said it last week on this show. Chris Paul might be the most underrated player that's ever played. And that might change in the next few weeks if they win it and Chris Paul gets what he deserves. Chris Paul and David Robinson, two guys who never get the credit they deserve. Just look at their numbers. One guy who gets too much credit for anything is playoff P. Paul George. Five for 20 last night. What did he show up? And uh, we've seen that from him uh, time and time again. So Way to go, Paul. Um, Kawhi Leonard last night. Very interesting. He wasn't on the bench for his team. He was up in a suite. Most guys, uh, they'd be on the bench, but not Kawhi Leonard. That tells you about the Clippers. Might tell you a little bit about Kawhi. By the way, if that was LeBron sitting up in a suite while his team was playing, media would be killing him for it today. Just saying, once again... It all depends on who you are in life. Suns will look to close this one out Monday night. They probably will, neither here nor there. But tonight, in a game that can be heard right here on ESPN Radio 1392.5, at 8 o'clock, Game 3, Eastern Conference Finals, Bucks and Hawks, series tied 1-1. They dropped the opener to Atlanta, but the Bucks huge win in Game 2, easily covered when they were 8.5-point favorites. But now, 
We go from Milwaukee to Atlanta in Magic City. But tonight's big game three, Milwaukee opened a five-point favorite. Public happy to lay the short spread in this one with the Bucks coming off that big victory. But with the majority of the bets and the money on Milwaukee, the line is still falling. Line is four and a half right now. Some shops even have it at four. This is the sharp reverse line movement, buying low on the home team. Some of the wise guys doing that. Will we do it? Eh. Favorites of these NBA playoffs, 58.2%. Favorites with a majority of the money in the NBA playoffs, 60%. That's Milwaukee. Give us Milwaukee and Atlanta tonight. We've seen this movie before for Atlanta teams. We know how it ends. It's just a matter of time. We'll take the Bucks tonight, game three. Last night, Major League Baseball, favorites went eight and seven. Biggest upsets, Orioles over the uh, were winning over the White Sox. Uh, excuse me, the Blue Jays after they were trailing five to one in that one. So yeah, the Orioles somehow cashing tickets. That's two days in a row they've cashed big tickets. But how do you know it's a bad day? Uh, I had the under yesterday. Seattle and the Chicago White Sox, middle of the third, scoreless. Hey, no problem. Easy money coming down my way, right? Uh huh. Here comes the rain again. As somebody said back in the day, game suspended, all investments canceled. When the game suspended, eh, that's the kind of thing that makes you wonder why you would bother to do this. But, hey, we live to fight another day. We also took the Rockies yesterday. It's huge underdogs in uh, Milwaukee. And, of course, they were winning up until the eighth inning. And, yes, the bullpen blew it in the eighth inning. Second straight day, the Rockies blew a big lead as huge underdogs. Uh, of course, the other day, uh, I was texting our friend Vince Stover, who's a big Brewers fan, saying, it was money in the bank that the Rockies were going to win on Friday. Uh-huh. I get everything I deserve for texting him about that one. True story. But as in the past, if you look back, you turn into a pillar of salt. The worst thing as a sports investor you can do is have a memory about your losses yesterday. So we look forward, living through the windshield, not the rearview mirror. Some major league teams of value today. Detroit has a lot of value. Boston, the Red Sox, Phillies against the Mets, Colorado, Oakland, all teams with a lot of value today. Even the Cubs tonight against Clayton Kershaw out in L.A. But two that we really like today. Cleveland is a minus, is a Minnesota, excuse me, is a minus 140 over Cleveland today. Sam Henkes, a guy we were on last Sunday on this show, he won for us then as a big dog. He's a big dog again today. Henkes, one of one, 6.40 ERA. Jay Happ goes for Minnesota, 3-3, 3, 6.09 ERA. Let's see. Both pitchers, both lousy. Better team, Cleveland. Better bullpen, Cleveland. More rested bullpen, Cleveland. Because who won this game yesterday? Minnesota won, and they used all their little end guys at the bullpen, while the Cleveland bullpen, one of the best in Major League Baseball. I'm getting the better team on the road as a dog. Give us Cleveland against Minnesota today. Getting about a plus 130 if you can find it. Shop around as always. And then, are you really a gambler? Do you really consider yourself a gambler? Then do I have the game for you today. The Arizona Diamondbacks are at the San Diego Padres. You Darvish for San Diego. 7-2, 2. 2.5 ERA. They're a minus 270 over Arizona. Zach Gallen going for them. 1-3, 3.67 ERA. Arizona won last night. That's the first game they won on the road in 24 games. They had lost the previous 24 on the road. They finally won a road game last night. 
Why not make it two in a row? You're getting a ton of value with Arizona today. In fact, you've been getting a ton of value for weeks with this team because they've been on such a bad team. They're 22-56 and 56 on the season. On pace to lose over 110 games. Give us your tired, your poor, your weak. Those are the kind of teams we like. I got a decent pitcher in Zach Gallon going today. And remember, we don't bet prices. Excuse me. We don't bet teams and people. Everybody looks at the Padres. Oh, Slam Diego, hottest young team in the league. True. All true. But you're getting a lot of value. Bet prices and numbers. Don't bet teams and people. Are you a real gambler? You're getting a lot of value on Arizona today. Getting a huge number out in San Diego. So there's our Mac Daddy Stogies. Take the Bucks, a favorite down in Atlanta tonight. I've seen this movie before. It'll happen again eventually. We'll take Cleveland as a dog against Minnesota in Major League Baseball. And we'll take Arizona as a huge dog in San Diego. Those are your Mac Daddy Stogies. Make sure to uh, take those bad boys to the desert and Jake Cigar Bar and smoke them. But coming up after the break, would you like to cash a ticket for $15,000 later this year? Our next guest can help you do that. Farrell Elliott of the KFFSC. He'll join us coming up right here on ESPN Radio 1300 and 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. And that's the perfect lead-in song. When the house is rocking, don't come a-knocking. That reminds us of our next guest. He is the fan favorite here at ESPN Radio. He is the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, where you can be crowned the state champion and cash a big $15,000 check in the process. And if you need more information on this, kffsc.com. He is our good friend, Farrell Elliott. Farrell, how are you today, bye-bye? Brad, I'm, I wake up this Sunday morning very excited, very good. You know, our event in Cincinnati, uh, live, August 15th, which will begin our live uh, drafting for our 19th KFFSC championship. We're only 45 days away, 57 days away from our three-day weekend at Caesars in southern Indiana. Uh, can you believe it's that close? I look forward to getting to see you, my friend. Yeah, it's it's getting a lot closer. We just talked about this a minute ago. Baseball season is already halfway over with. It's like the COVID, you know, it's over. Let's we're moving forward now. But yeah, we're talking. Let's hope. Yeah, let's hope exactly. Uh, let's get to the big topics here. I I started playing fantasy football 1990, and back then running backs you had to have running backs or you just you couldn't yes. compete. I remember playing in leagues back then and that in the 90s. I draft running backs first four picks, no matter what. You know, just, you just had to have them. Then the NFL changed. The wide receivers became more valuable in fantasy. But now I'm looking at these draft boards and lists, and the top ten running, uh, the top ten picks in these drafts, they're almost all running backs again. Am I crazy, or is there even more value in running backs today than there was even back then? You know, what goes around comes around, Brad Taylor, and, and it's a situation where. Uh, we put green stickers on the board when a running back is selected, and, and our draft boards early. There's there's more green than there is at the uh, Federal Reserve. They're all green running backs coming on to the, to the board, and you know the emergence of the running back who is catching passes, and, and yeah. we all know about Alvin Kamara to a lesser effect, but perhaps a um, a, a first round sleeper if there is such a thing. Uh, would be Austin Eckler this year. Austin Eckler uh, is joined in the uh, Charger backfield by the 
offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi, who comes from where? The New Orleans Saints. He says he's going to use Eckler in the same way the Saints use Kamara. And for Charger and fantasy fans, that's, that's wonderful news. So, yes, running backs are back because they're catching balls at record rates. And uh, in our league, where you where we demand that you start three wide receivers, you still have several teams coming off the board. Fix one, two, and three. Go to the running back. Let's talk a little KFFSC strategy talk because one of the best things about your contest is that you aren't pigeonholed into a draft pick by some blind draw. You get to choose when you want to draft. If you want to draft first, you can. If you want to draft last, you can. You want to draft in the middle, you can. I've always been a kind of guy where, hey, I can lose just as well from the last pick as I can the first pick. So, in your opinion, what is the most popular strategy maybe this year? Because every season it seems to change, especially based on uh, the first-round picks and the depth of those picks. Well, the listeners would be well confused. They say, how do you choose? Everybody would choose one or everybody would choose 12 because when they understand that we have third-round reversal. But the way you choose is in the power of the pocketbook from your free agency dollars. Everyone starts the year with 1,000 free agency dollars, but you will go into uh, preparation before our draft via a Zoom meeting where you will auction and bid for your spot. And it sounds a little truncated and confusing, and and, and maybe it's something you're not used to, but you'll fall in with it right away, and you'll get to eyeball the people that you'll be playing either online or live at our events. We also feature third-round reversal to even out the board for that person that has the first uh, selection. So that's why the number 12 spot is so strong, Brad. That's, that person gets 12, 13, and the board reverts back to him where he gets the 25th pick. And then from then on, it's your traditional serpentine draft. So... It allows for a lot of jockeying, and, you know, if you feel comfortable in the middle of the draft, you won't have to expend much of your fantasy uh, free agent balance uh, for that position. But if you definitely want to uh, have a big group of those, uh, a talented group of those first players, or if you want to go first and draft Christian McCaffrey or some other great player that you think might outscore Christian McCaffrey, that's your choice. ESPN Radio 1,392.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor with Farrell Elliott of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. Christian McCaffrey, everywhere I see, he's the number one overall pick in every league. And we all remember the great seasons he's had, 2019 especially, where he literally single-handedly won leagues by himself. But he only played three games last season. I know he's been the number one pick in a lot of your leagues this spring, should he be the number one pick, and do you foresee him being a slam dunk in every league being number one? Yeah, I think he should be because, you know, if you don't want him, you can fall back and get uh, Dalvin Cook, who is the consensus number two, or uh, any combination then of a half dozen running backs to fill the three and four spots. Sometimes um, when you have such an unusual player is McCaffrey, and again, he's a five-tool player. He does everything very, very well. And you realize that his injury and uh, that he is that he through the training staff and and physically is one hundred percent. And then you realize, well, he only played three games last year. A lot of drafters see that as a plus. He comes in with fresh legs and something to prove. So if you love McCaffrey like most drafters do, I certainly wouldn't hesitate to pull that trigger. Let's look at some of these local teams. We are our sister station, uh, Classic Rock 92.1, the voice of the Cincinnati Bengals. 
Uh, but the Bengals have uh, an emerging young quarterback, some decent skill guys, eh, not a whole lot else, bad defense, I can't stop anyone, an old offensive line, injuries, ineffectiveness, a coach that might be on the way out the door this year. Do you see anybody from the Bengals being worthy, maybe other than a Joe Mixon, because I know he goes early, of being a first-tier player in, in fantasy, and maybe do we see a Joe Burrow being a QB1 this year? Well, the magic elixir that you were just pouring in all those definitions, Brad, actually lead us to what are some very, very attractive fantasy players. You know, yes, your coach may have a foot out the door. It's now or never for him. Uh, The quarterback is coming off an injury with something to prove, but he's got a great connection uh, with his existing wide receivers and the new rookie receiver, Chase, who joins him from his time at LSU. You've got uh, uh, Mixon. Uh, who's backed up by Samaj P. Ryan, a player that, when given an opportunity to play last year, uh, averaged 4.8 yards a carry, so he becomes a, an interesting handcuff. So you go through this entire draft, Mixon goes early, but Higgins, Chase, Boyd, uh, these guys are, are sprinkled all around uh, and throughout the single-digit uh, draft numbers and later, as, as is Burrow, and yes, he, I would expect him with the type of play that, that Cincinnati will have to put on the board and try to score some points to keep up their defensive ineffectiveness. Uh, yes, uh, Cincinnati Bengal players, uh, although they may not find themselves in uh, the NFL playoffs, will be a very, very big part of uh, fantasy football playoffs in 2021. Is Higgins the best wide receiver fantasy-wise on this team? It's hard to say because you, you don't know Who's going to connect with this quarterback the best way? I would refer that answer to you where we talk about that as we get closer to the draft and maybe see a little preseason football. But they all have a unique set of skills, and they're all very, very good. And, you know, Boyd is probably the uh, least uh, – he, he's probably the, the least risk and least reward. Chase is probably the highest reward, so – if those would like to find the middle ground there, perhaps Higgins is your guy. Another local team that people here in uh, Central Kentucky like for the Peyton Manning aspect. I'll never understand mm. why people here love Peyton Manning so much because he went to Tennessee, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> the Indianapolis Colts, uh, our friends of the desert say, other than Green Bay and Kansas City, the Colts have uh, the best chance of winning their own division this year. They have uh, my good friend Naheem Hines, who saved me in a bunch of leagues last year. But Jonathan Taylor, going in the first round of these drafts, is he worthy of that? Uh, yes, he is, with some caveat of risk. And, and he has begun to drop. The aforementioned Eckler uh, has moved up in some of the drafts in front of him. When you realize the depth at running back, and, and you look at Taylor's situation, that it took him a while to get going last year, uh, it would give you reason to pause, especially when whoever's on your draft sheet before him and whoever is on your draft sheet right after him is a very significantly talented player, which might have less pressure from the depth chart. But, you know, Brad, this, this Indianapolis team presents terrific value uh, throughout the draft. Uh, Michael Pittman, who finished up a, a good season if he hadn't had a foot injury and, and some things wouldn't, wouldn't have gone wrong with him. His his final stats would have been more prolific, but he finished up with five catches and 90 yards in the playoffs. And this, this, team was close to, this team was close to beating the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs. So, yes, this is a team with, 
with high expectations. They've got an offensive line. We don't talk about that in fantasy football much, but if you go look at their offensive line and understand how this team has been built, the first guy got there in 2016. The rest of the guys came in the first and second round. Uh, they've got a very good player that uh, uh, playing guard for them that was a cast-off from uh, Seattle who is an overachiever. This team has the, the elements in place, and a quarterback who doesn't have to be great from day one, but by November, I think he will be clicking. So will his receivers, Pittman, uh, Hilton, and, and even Paris Campbell in the slot may uh, provide what we always thought he could. One more question for you, Farrell. Tight ends. It's always a big hot-button topic when you go into these drafts. Mm-hmm. KFFSC, a PPR league, a guy like Travis Kelsey, 83 catches and over 1,000 yards each of the last five seasons, but it's always a debate. How early should he go in these drafts? I remember back in a decade ago when Rob Gronkowski and Jimmy Graham were borderline first picks. Do you see Travis Kelsey and some other tight ends maybe going a little earlier than they should based on just public perception? Travis Kelsey will be a first-round pick and will be a tight end off the board, but he will be joined, if not in the first round, very early in the second by Darren Waller. And I predict a Raider, and Brad, I always love it when you like to talk about the Raiders, but I predict a Raider, uh, Darren Waller, may outscore Kelsey um, in fantasy points. And, and a lot of people uh, will ask, well, how can you say that? You know, that Kittle is a great tight end, Andrews, Hawkinson. Uh, we have a rookie player named Pitts. Uh, from the University of Florida that Kentucky Wildcat fans will be very familiar with. And uh, he's going to score fantasy points in bundles this year, too. But Waller is a player that is not asked a lot in traditional tight end duties with the Raiders. That goes to another SEC player named Frank Moreau, who, who uh, finally will be seated some opportunities now that Jason Whitten has retired. So you take uh, uh, Waller, and the realization is that he's largely a slot receiver who knows how to get open, and now you look at the Raiders, if they can ever get the top off the defense and create even more room for him, and that's how this player has a bigger year than the numbers he had last year, which were fantastic. So uh, Darren Waller uh, and, and Travis Kelsey, you really can't overspend for them, but in Waller's case, uh, he might be the smarter play. It may be only June 27th, but a lot of people have already got the fantasy football itch. I was in a uh, walked by a newsstand the other day, all kinds of fantasy football magazines already on the shelves. And if you want to get involved this year, Farrell Elliott of the KFFSC is the guy to get in contact with. Farrell, the commercials are all over ESPN, but tell us how we can get in touch with you to play fantasy football this year. Oh, this time of the year, if you call me, I'll pick up the phone and talk to you about it. 502 5057. You can text and ask for more information. You can go to the website. We've finally got that thing set up where you can actually understand what's going on. KFFSC.com. Last year we had a great event. We're looking for even a bigger event this year. We have people from, oh my goodness, at least 30 states that come in here to play uh, the last weekend in August. And, you know, if you're in the area, we'd like you to come and play against all these great fantasy players, including Brad Taylor, who had a significant season uh, in 2020, and we're expecting big things from uh, from Brad here in 2021. A blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. He's Farrell Elliott (laughs) from the KFFSC. 
Sir, we thank you so much. Uh, we'll see you in a couple months, and uh, we'll have you back on the show several times before then. We thank you. That'll be great. Thank you, Brad. All right, buddy. Thank you. He's Farrell Elliott, KFFSC. Make sure to get in contact with him, KFFSC.com. Coming up after the break, we'll get you ready for the rest of the day on ESPN Radio and the Angelo Show coming up at 10 right here on ESPN Radio 1300 and 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. And walking in the door right now is a man you'll hear at the top of the hour. He is the great Angelo Carriero, who's grabbing a microphone, and as if he is expected to go on the air, we'll let it go on the air. Angelo, what do you got coming up at 10 o'clock? This is like Troy Aikman to Emmett Smith, maybe a little bit of Andre Woodson to Raphael Little, this kind of handoff from one to another, as you like to call at least it. You, at least you didn't say Terry Wilson to insert running back here. That would have been uh, an insult to Terry Wilson. In that fact. <laughs> That's here that. What do you got coming up at 10? I've got coming up, and I'm talking about uh, the Trey Young and John Calipari marriage that never was. I'm going to be talking about the NBA playoffs. I'm going to talk about Kentucky sports news going from high school to a little bit of college to uh, maybe even a little bit of uh, rap music and how that ties into it. That one right there is for the kids uh, along much more. And you can give me your calls at 381-1313. You got Vanilla Ice and MC Hammer in that uh, rap music mix? A mm, little bit younger. No, uh, that's that, actually that wasn't even rap music. That was terrible music. But that's neither here nor there. He's the best in the business. He is Angelo Carriero, and uh, he will come up right at the top of the hour here at 10 o'clock. Thank you so much for listening to us here on The Bottom Line. We always appreciate it. Email anytime, bottomlinelex at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. You too, Angelo. Follow us on Twitter. You refuse to. I'm calling you out on the radio. Yeah, he refuses. He calls me a troll for some reason. I have no idea. At Bottom Line Lex. And until the next time, as always, may the winners be yours.